remember the, the robustness of your beard. It looks really good. I want you to know that. Very impressive. I would let you mentor me just because of the beard. It's a great look, but uh, it is good to have you. And after we read the scripture, we will pray, um, pray for your ministry, both of your ministries as well. So thank you for being here with us. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to the Sunday after Easter. It is good to be here with you all. I trust and hope that after you left here, if you were here last Sunday, that you had a good rest of your Easter, that you celebrated, that you partied um, at the reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus the Christ. And Jesus is still alive uh, today, just as he was last week. And so we gather uh, in order to remember that, to celebrate that. Uh, And today we are going to look at a couple of different scripture passages. We are going to look at one uh, from Psalms and the next from the book right after Psalms, Proverbs. And so let's, uh, let's dive in by looking at Psalm 129. It says this, Often have they attacked me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Often have they attacked me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous, and he has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops that withers before it grows up. With which reapers do not fill their hands or binders or sheaves their arms, while those who pass by do not say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And then from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we enter your presence this morning and we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for the Pazinis, for their ministry in Brazil, for the ways, Lord, in which they love and care for and guide the pastors and their spouses. We thank you, Lord, for the reminders that you are alive, not just here, not just in America, but across all of the world. We pray that you would continue to be in Brazil, God, that your spirit would continue to be felt there, that you would strengthen the Pazinis in the days ahead. Lord, we thank you that we know as well that you are alive and have been alive for thousands and thousands of years in our world. We thank you for the scriptures that speak to your love, to your steadfastness. And I pray, Lord, that on this day that you would continue to speak to our hearts, to our minds. May we be open to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. 
Amen and amen. So as you all may know, uh, this particular Sunday, the first Sunday after Easter, has a few different names. Uh, uh, One of those names is Low Sunday. Uh, Now, I don't think that that actually originated because of the fact that the attendance is always so much lower the Sunday after Easter than the Sunday before, but but that is kind of what it has become known as, really. It's kind of low Sunday. There's just not quite as much, not as many people, not as much energy. Uh, So it's a little bit different of a Sunday, if you will. It's also called Holy Humor Sunday. Anybody ever heard it called Holy Humor Sunday? Uh, it's, it's a bit of an ancient tradition, back, going back to the church fathers. It said that, um, that what God had done is he had, pl- had played a practical joke on Satan. And that while Satan thought that he had won and been victorious when Jesus died, three days later, he was raised from the dead again. And this was a practical joke of sorts. And so churches that celebrate Holy Humor Sunday, they tell jokes um, during the service. They play practical jokes on one another. I've even heard that they will, will pour water on people in the middle of the service, like a Gallagher Sunday, if you will. I think this sounds like a great idea. Will you come up here with me for a second, Tim? No, I'm just kidding. So, but I, maybe next year, right? I mean, so Holy Humor Sunday. It's all, also, this is my favorite of them, and you probably know this one. It's also called Associate Pastor Sunday. Because this is the most popular Sunday for the senior pastor to ask the associate to preach. For various and sundry reasons, uh, I am the one up here today. None of this is Scott's fault. This is, I said, no, let me preach on this Sunday. So I'm here today, even on Associate Pastor Sunday. But I'll be honest with you, this week I haven't been that excited about it. As you might imagine, for someone who is mostly uh, used to only working one day a week, when when on Holy Week you have to work three days a week, it's really exhausting. You know? Can you get anybody empathize or care? No? Okay. So it's a little tiring. So I wasn't all that excited, you know? I wanted to just kind of relax. And, and on top of that, the subject for today is faithfulness. It's a little bit of a boring word, right? It's kind of a boring subject. I mean, last week, you know, you've got, you've got a packed out sanctuary, you've got music, you've got a choir, you've got other instruments, you know, you've got everybody celebrating, dressed to the nines, you've got brunch coming up, you've got the subject of hope, everything's great. And then today, it's And so I thought about maybe earlier this week, maybe I, should, maybe I should change the subject to make it something that's a little bit more lively, more exciting, to keep everybody engaged and awake. But I was too tired to come up with anything else. And as I continued to wrestle with this subject, I also began to think, well, maybe, maybe actually, maybe this could be Low Sunday. Maybe it could be Holy Humor Sunday or Associate Pastor Sunday. But maybe it's actually fairly appropriate that this is also called Faithfulness Sunday. But before we get into that, let's think about what faithfulness is. I kind of think that faithfulness is a little bit like what we talked about two weeks ago, humor, where it's a little bit, you know, people talk about it, oh yeah, or not humor, 
tired. Humble. Humility is what I talked about two, two weeks ago. And, and we talked about, you know, people like to talk about humility. They say, oh, you should really be humble. But they don't really know how to talk about it. It's kind of hard to know what does that look like or how do you cultivate it. I think it's similar when it comes to faithfulness, right? I mean, everyone says, well, of course, you should be faithful. Yes, we should be faithful. But we don't necessarily talk about it that much. And it's hard to know how to describe it or, or how to cultivate faithfulness, if you will. And faithfulness can mean, you know, a few different things. It can mean kind of steadfastness. It can mean perseverance. It can mean loyalty. Uh, But perhaps the best way to try to understand faithfulness is not to try to define it or describe it per se, but is to look at people, at those who are faithful. That may be the most helpful way to do that. And of course, when it comes to faithfulness as Christians, we think the best place to start is with the faithfulness of God, right? This is what the psalmist is doing in Psalm 129. He's looking back. It's been called kind of a life review. He's looking back over his life, and he's seeing those places and those times when he has struggled, right? The temptations and the sufferings and all of those. And yet as he looks back, he remembers that in the midst of that, God has always been there, that God has always been faithful. Verse 4 says that that the Lord is righteous. And what, what that means is not right versus wrong. Of course, God is right. We would understand that to be the case. But it means right relationship. In other words, that God has always longed to be in right relationship with us. And no matter what happens, when God is in right relationship with us, God will stick with us. No matter what, God is always there with us, right? And this is, uh, Eugene Peterson says, the mistake we often make is thinking that God's interest and care for us waxes and wanes according to our own spiritual temperature, right? The mistake we oftentimes make with God, Peterson says, is that we think that his interest in us or his faithfulness to us kind of waxes and wanes depending upon whether or not we are really caring for him or being faithful to him. And Peterson says this is not the case. God is always faithful. And the reason why we sometimes think that is because from our perspective, that's typically how we engage in relationships, Right? Oftentimes when it comes to God, whenever things are going well, whenever we're struggling, that's when you find that people are really wanting to be here. I know people who start going to church during very difficult times, and then when times get better, we may not see them as much, right? There's not, not that sense of a feeling, right, of, of, of wanting to continue to be faithful. Or, or even in our own friendships, there are times when as long as you're being reciprocated well, you'll stay in relationship. But, but whenever there are struggles or whatnot, that you may kind of take a step back. But what we hear when it comes to God, what we see is that God is always faithful to us. God is always longing to be in right relationship with us, no matter where we may be on this journey. And and we see this, of course, throughout Scripture. This is the word. I mean, when it comes to Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve turned their backs on God, and yet God continued to love and to care for Adam and Eve. 
right? Or the story of, um, um, of Abram, right? Abram, who became Abraham, right? He kind of had ups and downs, times when he was really trusting, and then clearly times when he was not trusting God, and yet God continued to be faithful to him. Moses, Moses was always complaining, it seemed. Nothing was ever quite right enough for Moses. Okay, understandable at times, to be sure, but nonetheless was always complaining, but God always was there for Moses. The Israelites, I mean, the Israelites were always unfaithful, it seemed. They were always complaining, right? Oh, why, you know, why can we please just go back to slavery? Being with God is so horrible. Send us back to Egypt, right? Or, or they, they build their own golden calf, right? Or when they're in other countries, they begin to worship those gods. And yet God continues to go after them, right? The story of Jonah, right? That's a classic story. Most of us know that story. Jonah physically tries to run away from God, and yet God swallows him up with the large fish and with his love. And even though Jonah would prefer God to have forgotten him, God says, I will not forget you, and I will not forget my and then, of course, in the New Testament, the story of Jesus, we see again and again and again, kind of intimately, if you will, the way in which he is faithful, right? Think about it with Peter, right? Peter, we always bring up Peter, but it's because he's such a classic example, right? Peter, who, who begins to walk on water and then loses trust, and he's not sure if God is really going to be able to rescue him, and he begins to sink. And, of course, Jesus reaches out to rescue him, to save him. Right, Peter, as we talked about at Monday Thursday, who, who, who kind of in this spirit of defiance said, well, don't just wash my feet, wash my whole body. Or, 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 or then denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And yet, Jesus continues to embrace him. James and John, who are more worried about where their position will be in heaven than they are with following Jesus. The doubters, right? Thomas the doubter, or, or the other disciples that we talked about last week who were doubting right there in the midst of the presence of the resurrected Savior. But Jesus doesn't complain about that. What he says is, I know that maybe you doubt, but I'm still going to give you a mission. Why? Because I am going to continue to be faithful to you. In times when Jesus, when God could go after whatever is new or shiny or exciting or go find someone else who he thinks may be more faithful, God continues to stay with his people because God is faithful. He keeps plodding along with his people. It's boring faithfulness. And yet it is also remarkably beautiful. This week we were talking about this as a worship team and someone brought up a phrase. It's actually a phrase that originated with Frederick Nietzsche. And if you know anything about Nietzsche, you know that he's not exactly the greatest friend of God in a lot of ways. He's the same one who said God is dead. Uh, but he came up with this phrase that then Presbyterian pastor Eugene Peterson used for the title of a book. And that phrase is, you may have heard it before, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience obedience in the same direction. It's a great image, it seems to me, for what faithfulness is, for what perseverance is, is to keep going a long obedience in the same 
direction. Randy Frazee, when he thinks about faithfulness, he usually compares it to marriage. And he says a good marriage is a faithful marriage. So I started thinking about my own marriage with, with, with Megan. And, you know, if you were to ask me, tell me about your marriage or what do you think about? What are the memories you have in your marriage? I would, you know, the things that would initially pop up in my mind were kind of the, the fun times that we had, right? You know, the first dates that we would go on and, 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 and the trips that we would go on, right? The honeymoon to Victoria, British Columbia or, or vacation when we got to go to Niagara Falls or, or, or one weekend got to go to Paris or, or last summer how we got to um, celebrate our 10th by going over to, um, to Santa Barbara in California. I mean, all of those things are exciting, right? And I, and I love it. And, and when I think about our own marriage, I think about that, those are good markers in our marriage. Those are great memories. But if that was all our marriage actually was, then we would be in a heap of trouble. Now, people on the outside wouldn't necessarily see it, right? Because they just see the pictures that we put up on Instagram or Facebook, and there they are. Oh, look at them. There they are in Santa Barbara having a great time. They're such a cute couple. Well, maybe you wouldn't say that, but she's so cute, and he's, ah, but it's great, right? And, and you'd say, oh, they just look like they're always they're just having such a great time. But the reality is that what makes for a beautiful marriage are not those little vacation spots. It is the daily grind, the much more pedestrian acts of faithfulness. Fidelity day to day. Listening day by day. Being gentle with one another. Caring for one another in the midst of sickness or struggle. Those things aren't that exciting. And yet they are at the very root of what it means to have a healthy marriage. When I think back at some of the kind of most difficult times of our marriage, I'm reminded of a year when we moved to Grove City, Pennsylvania from sunny San Diego, California. To Western Pennsylvania. It was brutal. Right? We went to we went from a place that everything was just fantastic. You should have seen our pictures on Facebook. We were amazing. When we went to a place where it was endlessly cloudy and gray. A time when we struggled with wondering where was God in the midst of this. A time of feeling isolated. A time of Endless gray. A, a, a time when our cars kept breaking down. Thousands and thousands of dollars that we kept breaking down. It was endlessly gray. We, 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 just six weeks after we got there was the birth of our third child and the pain of being tired and depressed. And endlessly gray. But in the midst of that, we were there because I couldn't turn this organization around like I wanted to in California, like I hoped that we could. And so we had to move there because of that. And Megan was with me each day. Not just literally, but she was with me. There was never a time when she said, well, I wish you could have done this better. I wish this would have worked out. 
I look back and I think about the fact that her love for me was relentless. Even in the midst of those dark times, I realize it is more, more beautiful than any trip to Hawaii or anything else could ever be. Now hear me. That doesn't mean that every moment was greater, that we were running around in daisies and kind of just with smiles. There were no daisies. It was inundated with snow. There was no daisies. There were days when we got upset with one another. There were days when we struggled. And yet, this is what Eugene Peterson says. He says, perseverance, or what I call faithfulness, he says, it doesn't mean perfection. It means we keep going. Faithfulness doesn't mean that everything is perfect or great, but it means in the midst of that, you keep going. Remember last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that Jesus was raised again in Jerusalem, but then told them to go to... You've been partying too much this week. To go to Galilee, right? To go to the mountain of Galilee, which is more than 80 miles away. Right? And, and so what we said is that they could do that because of, of the hope, right? Of the, of the hope that they had. But as I was thinking about it this week, I realized that the actual journey, taking step after step after step to Galilee, that is faithfulness. That is a long obedience in the same direction. Will there be times when there are clouds, times when you're wondering where God is? Are there times as the disciples saw of faith and doubt? Absolutely. But in the midst of that, you keep walking. You keep being faithful. But it's not easy. I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of Last week, I loved, I love Easter Sunday, and I love the celebration, and I love hope. But I was talking to somebody after, and he said, you know, isn't this something you want to build off this Easter, don't you? Don't you just want to kind of keep building off of it? I said, nah, sort of. But if you were to ask me what makes me most excited, this is not going to surprise you all. What makes me most excited, it isn't actually Easter Sunday per se, or, or even every Sunday when we gather together, though I love these moments. Hear me. These are important moments. But when I get really excited is when I see people developing relationships with one another. When I see people who understand how the gospel shapes their life when they are at work. When I see neighborhoods that are changed because of the witness of the gospel. Those are the things that really get me excited, right? But we need both of those things. But what I love, because those acts are acts of faithfulness. That the way for the gospel to continue on the long run is when we are developing relationships and when we are seeing how God is at work throughout the week. All of those things, those are the steps of faithfulness that a healthy church has to have. They have to have excitement and the hope of the Lord on Easter Sunday and each Sunday morning. But then those steps of faithfulness, the road to Galilee, is what we are doing Monday through Saturday. That's faithfulness. That's a long obedience in the same direction. But it doesn't come easily. Our culture does not cultivate faithfulness. It cultivates excitement 
and instantaneous or instant gratification. Right? The 129th Psalm, it talks about grass that grows quickly and then withers, basically. And what it's talking about is grass that's kind of up on the roof, right up on the roof of the, in that day and age, you'd have some dirt that would kind of come, and you'd have grass that would begin to grow. But of course, it might grow in the morning, but then when the heat of the sun comes down, it would wither. Why would it wither? Because the soil was not that thick, right? And so they're saying, basically, you know, that he's hoping that these are kind of how the, the psalmist says, this is how I kind of see the enemies of God, if you will. And what's pointed out is that actually it's also our culture where we tend to jump from one grassy roof, you know, and when it starts to wither, we jump to another one, right? And then when we see this is green over here, we jump over here, right? And then I can't do that too much more. I'm tired. But we jump. We jump, right, from one thing to another. And that's the culture in which we live. Think about this. Um, I, now, I'm not a Luddite here. In other words, I don't, I, don't, I don't hate technology. I want you to know that. But I do want us to think about how it shapes us, right? So it used to be back in the day, back when I was a kid, right, that if you wanted to see a whole television series, you had to watch for seven or eight or nine months, right? And every week, you had to wait a whole week for the new episode. Right? And now, of course, with Netflix, what do they do? They download all of a sudden, one day, you get all your shows. And so what do you do? You binge watch for a weekend or, or a day, you know, 25 shows or 20 shows, however much it is, and you don't have to wait. You just get it all there. Or, or House Hunters and House Hunters International. That's our preference, Megan and mine. And, and, and we love it. I can't tell you the last time I watched it live. Why would you watch it live? Because if you watch it live, you have to wait for two minutes of commercial in between each segment. No, you just FF that bad boy and you get through it to the next thing. You don't have to waste time. Or not long ago, I don't remember who it was. It was somebody here, I think. They gave me their email address and it was an AOL address. And I was, like, I, may, it may, I was like, man, you remember AOL? Like, remember that kind of dial-up modem? And you'd, you'd get in on there and be like, you know, you remember what I'm talking about? You know, and so you would just sit there, though. You would wait. Now, if my computer buffers for two seconds, I'm pulling my hair. I'm like, what's wrong with this internet? My point is not that we should get rid of Netflix or don't DVR things, or that we should go back to kind of dial up, if you will. It is, though, that we need to be aware of how our culture shapes us into a people who want something instantly, right? And if we don't get that instantaneous kind of gratification, then we are, we're going to dance someplace else. That it doesn't shape us towards a long obedience in the same direction. Proverbs says we need to take faithfulness and loyalty and tie it around our neck to write it into our hearts. But how do we do that? Right? It's easier said than done. I think one of the ways that we do it is by what the psalmist does, which is to take some time and to simply reflect on where we have seen God be faithful to us. Right? If we had more time today, we don't have more time today. If we did, I'd have you do that right now. But I would love for you to take 10 minutes, 10 minutes this afternoon, 
and to reflect on your life and to maybe just write down, here are the times, even the times especially when you thought that maybe God had forgotten you, but now as you look back, you see his faithfulness. And just to write that down. If our faithfulness is rooted in the faithfulness of God, then the more that we can be thankful, the more that we can see how God has been with us, the more that we will be able to do that. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Megan's faithfulness during that year when we are in Grove City, I am both full of thankfulness and there is a desire I have, even greater so, to be faithful to her for the ways in which she was so faithful to me in the midst of that. So how can we grow in that as we understand and reflect on God's faithfulness? I also think it's critical for us. We have to be smart. When it comes to cultivating faithfulness, which means, as I just said a couple minutes ago, being aware of how the culture around us is not cultivating that. And so we need to put time in our lives to stop. This is why we talk with some regularity about Sabbath. About taking the time to reflect. About taking the time to be patient about taking the time to listen, I would say, both to God and to one another, right? To do steps of faithfulness. Now, 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 listening to God, listening to one another, it is not as exciting as an Easter morning worship service. It's not as exciting as going on a vacation trip with your spouse or a friend. It isn't. But I also think it is actually more beautiful if you can keep doing it. Because otherwise, if you can't do that, then basically you're just snapshots on Instagram or Facebook, and you're not really understanding what it means to be faithful and to walk and to go on that long obedience in the same direction. But I think the last thing that we can do when it comes to developing faithfulness is to surround yourself with faithful people. As many of you know, I come up from kind of a broken family. My parents were divorced. and So one of the things that I knew as a young adult was that I didn't necessarily know what it looked like to be in a faithful marriage. And so, uh, one summer, uh, in between uh, years at seminary, I decided to go live with some of my extended family. They're kind of older cousins, if you will. And, and, and they'd been married for about 30 years at that time. And I thought, these are good couple. And I decided to just go live with them because I wanted to surround myself with a couple that I really respected and loved to say, what does it take to be faithful? It was a remarkable summer. I got to eat with them. I got to breathe in the same air. I got to see them interact. I got to see the way that they love one another, the way that they listen to one another. I got to see the way they disagreed with one another. I got to see the way that they would fight at times. It can be a little awkward, but I got to be there. I got to see them interact and see what it looked like for a couple who loved each other and who were willing to be faithful no matter what. Now, again, it doesn't mean that they were perfect. Right, one of the things that you discover is that what, what faithfulness is is that you learn things along the way, right? Well, one of the things actually that he told me early on in that summer was that when they first got married, he thought, maybe I've shared this before, he thought it'd be a good idea if every Friday night they would take it as a time to tell one another how the other person could perhaps live a bit better. 
So they did it one Friday night. And his wife, not too surprisingly, uh, broke down in tears. And it was the last night that they ever did that. But the good news is they learned something, right? And thankfully, I didn't have to learn that on my own, right? Not a good idea. But they learned, right? And this is what it is. It doesn't mean perfection. It means you keep going. I like the sound of Faithfulness Sunday for this particular Sunday because of the fact that it is so close to Easter Sunday. Because it seems to me that you have two kind of pillars, if you will, for the faith journey. You have hope of Easter, which is absolutely necessary with the joy and the excitement of the resurrection. But then you also have this pillar of faithfulness over here that says this is what it looks like every day to keep walking on that journey. And if you only have one or the other, you end up just kind of hopping around on one foot trying to go to Galilee, where if you have hope and you have faithfulness, you are able to walk with both feet towards the resurrected Savior, to keep going to Galilee, to keep going on this long walk, this long obedience in the same direction. Faithfulness. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. But it may just be the most beautiful if we would but have the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Growing in our understanding of what it means to be faithful to the one who has been faithful to us. Let's pray. God, we are a people who long to jump from one grassy roof to another. And yet in you, God, we see someone who was willing and who continues to be willing to stay with us no matter how much that grass around us seems to have withered. That you will not give up on us. And so we pray, God, that you would give us the strength to continue to walk with you and towards you. To continue to take those steps to Galilee. To continue to journey in this long obedience in the same direction. That we may grow in our understanding of you and of your beauty. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.